Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Hey, good morning, church. Thanks, Jared. How you going, church? You all right? Fantastic. If you don't know me, my name is Mason. I'm part of the team here now at Resound for two weeks, which has been great. Um, thanks for everyone who's made us feel welcome over the last two weeks. It's been awesome. Um, as you can see, a story of hope. We're starting a new series today as a church, a story of hope. The idea is simple. We're going to go through people, uh, characters, people in the Bible who have a story of hope with the prayer that somehow each Sunday you will walk out of this building listening to their stories with a sense of hope, listening to the things that they went through with a sense of hope that God can use you as well. So is that cool? Fantastic. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14. But before we do, I just want to pray as we come around God's Word. You know, it's important for us every time we come around God's Word, I think, to pray like David prayed. What did David pray? David prayed this, Lord, search me, search my heart, know my thoughts. If there's any grievous way in me, Lord, lead me back to everlasting light. So I'd like to pray this morning, and would you pray with me that we would pray the prayer as David prayed, Lord, search us this morning. Would you speak to our hearts this morning? Don't know about you, but I haven't just come to sit this morning and to hear a nice message, but I've come to encounter the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and let him shift, transform, and change something in my life. And you know, there's a posture to surrender. Surrender does not look like this. The universal sign for surrender all around the world looks like this. You wonder why we lift our hands in church. It is the universal sign for surrender. And so as we pray this morning, would you lift your hands to heaven as we ask God to do something this morning in our lives. Lord, we just pray and we thank you for who you are. You are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus, you are not only Savior and Lord, but you are friend and Father as well. You are our provider, Jesus, and we submit ourselves to you. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me this morning, that anything that's of me would fall to the ground, but anything that's of you would pierce the hearts of everybody listening in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Uh, Mark chapter 14, we can put it up on the screen. Mark chapter 14 says this, Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you even know me three times. No, Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. So here we have Peter, a disciple of Jesus, insisting, promising, passionately declaring that he wasn't going to disown Jesus, that he was going to keep the faith, keep following Jesus no matter what. There's no doubt in his mind, even if he has to die, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Now, this story and this passage of Scripture actually becomes quite comical when you know the rest of the story. Because if you look in your Bible, 35 verses later, the heading in your Bible will read, Peter disowns Jesus. Let's go to verse 66. Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard. So Jesus is, is standing in front of the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, and he's being sentenced to death. Peter is standing there. Meanwhile, Peter 
was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked with the high priest came out and noticed Peter warming himself by the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you were one of those people that walked with Jesus the Nazareth, but Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him, he said, and he went out into the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling others, this man was definitely with one of them was with Jesus. And Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must have been one of them because you are a Galilean. Peter swore a curse. Oh, curse on me if I'm lying. I do not know this man and I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed for the second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. And he broke down and wept. If you're like me, you probably read this scripture a few times. And when I read the second half of this passage of scripture, my thoughts are kind of this. Come on, Peter. Like, come on, man. Like, if anyone should be bold and have faith in Jesus, it's probably you. You have to understand that Peter was with Jesus his entire ministry. So he saw Jesus turn water into wine. He saw Jesus heal the blind, open deaf ears. He saw Jesus command the lame to walk, the dead to rise, the mute to speak. Like, I kind of just look at this and go, come on, Peter. Come on, surely. You can do better. Surely you out of anyone can have the faith. Not only that, Peter was one of the three that got to see Jesus transfigured in all of his glory and stand with Elijah and Moses on the mountain. I kind of read this and go, come on. And not only that, Jesus warned him. He gave him a heads up. He says, hey, listen, Peter, you're going to deny me. He's like, no, 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 no. You got the wrong guy. He's like, no, no, you're going to, no, 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 no. You got the wrong guy. And he doesn't just warn, warn him once. He warns him twice. Just after uh, Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me, he, they then go and pray. And Jesus says to Peter, you should pray. Jesus goes away and prays. He comes back. Where does he find Peter? Asleep. So Jesus rebukes Peter. He says, Peter, after what I just told you, you would think that you would be praying, right? That you would have the strength not to fall into the temptation that we've just talked about. He says this, you see, you think that you're strong, but you're actually weak. You should probably pray. I can imagine Peter in the moment like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pray. So Jesus goes away, away and prays again. He comes back. Where does he find Peter? On his hands and knees, praying for the strength to to push past the temptation of fear. No, my guy is asleep again. It's like this guy can't catch a hint. This guy can't read a room. No, not only that, when Peter wakes up, Jesus is getting arrested. And so Peter, in this moment of passion, loses his mind, grabs his knife out, goes to attack the high priest's servant, which was actually to ruin this guy's future and his whole career because a high priest couldn't have any um, deformity on their face. So he cuts the guy's ear off and Jesus is standing there like, what are you doing? Stop, Peter. Like this guy cannot read the room. Have you not listened to anything that I've told you over these last three years? What are you doing? Peter's the type of guy you can dress up, but you can't take anywhere. It's like, what are you doing? So I've always 
see in this portion of Peter's life. And my prayer has always been this, Lord, please help me to not be like Peter. Lord, please, could I please just not be like Peter? That was until I realized that I can relate to the failures of my biblical heroes a lot more than I can relate to their successes. Let me rephrase that. I can relate to the failures of Peter way more than I can relate to his successes. I have never preached a message and seen 3,000 people come to know Jesus and baptize the same day. I did not preach the gospel around the world, starting the church as we know it today. I was not put in prison for my faith and endured it. And clearly I have not been crucified for my faith in Jesus with my only request being that it be upside down out of honor and reverence to the one that I claim to love. But I tell you what I have done. I have failed at times to honor and serve Jesus in action and in speech and in every part of my life. I have let fear get the better of me in circumstances and situations. And my love for Jesus shamefully has failed at times as I've put my trust in other things except for him. And so now my prayer is very different. My prayer goes something like this, Lord, help me to be like Peter. But what? He failed. Yeah, but so have I. Let the person condemn Peter who has never broken a promise who has never said that they would never do something again and then gone back and done it, who has never had their love for Jesus fail shamefully in a moment and put their trust or give in to fear. You see, Peter, although make mistakes and though his love for Jesus failed in a moment, it rose again. Bolder, stronger, and more passionate than before. So now my prayer is, Lord... Help me to be like Peter. You know, Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, he uses an interesting word. He uses an interesting word when he says, all of you disciples are going to fall away. The word fall away in the Greek is scandalon. Scandalon. Scandalon is not just to fall by yourself, but scandalon means to be entrapped, tricked, or tripped into falling. Have you ever done that thing to your siblings or a friend when they go to sit down on a chair and you pull the chair out from them really quickly and they fall on the ground? Anyone? Kobe, come on, man. That's scandal on. Not that they just fell, but they were entrapped, tricked, or tripped into falling. So think about this for a moment. Under that definition, both Judas, the great betrayer of Jesus, and Peter, the one who disowned Jesus, both had a scandal on moment. Judas, tricked by the temptation of money, greed, power, jealousy, unbelief maybe. Peter, tricked by fear, confusion, 
doubt in a moment perhaps. Both men tricked. Both men fell away. Both men, after doing so, were tormented, regretful, shed tears, thinking, what have I done? The difference between the two men was not necessarily what they did, because think about it. One betrayed Jesus, one broke a promise and disowned a friend, or is breaking a promise and disowning a friend the same as betraying? The difference between the two men was not necessarily what they did. The difference was their response. One chose to give up. The other chose to get up, dust himself off, lean into the grace that was readily available for him and went on to do something great for God. You see, it's not the absence of mistakes, failures, sins, and shortcomings that make the difference or make you worthy to be used by God, but it is simply the grace of God and your response. So the thing that has always plagued my mind is could could Judas have done the same if he chose not to give up but get up? And to quote Kanye, I guess we'll never know. That was for the young people. See, this side laughed. This side have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. But if you think that he couldn't, then I would challenge what you think Jesus was doing on the cross in the first place. For it was not just Judas who put Jesus on the cross, but it was all the disciples. More than that, it was not just all the disciples that put Jesus on the cross, but it was all of mankind. And don't disassociate thinking it was all of mankind. It was actually you and me who put Jesus on the cross. To go deeper than that, it was the love of a father that put Jesus on the cross because he saw a perishing humanity. The Bible does not say it was because of Judas's sin that Jesus hung on the cross. No, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The Bible says that while you and I were still sinners, Christ chose to die for us. So my question to you, church, this morning is what will your response be? Response to what? Response to your failures. Response to your shortcomings. Response to your sin. Response to guilt and shame of the past. What will your response be? You like prisons? No one? I like prisons. Don't ask me why. I like Old prisons. I like visiting old prisons. Anybody like visiting old prisons? A few people. I like it so much that on our third date, I decided to take Jess to the old Melbourne jail. (laughs) I'm like Peter more than I know. I can't read a room. Now, you know, we were still dating at the time, so it was nice. Jess was nice to me. Knowing her now, I know exactly what she was thinking. Why the heck are we going to the prison? But I was like, that would be a great date. Let's go to the old prison. Nothing says romance like where Ned Kelly was hung. 
<laughs> so I was like, let's go to the old Melbourne jail. Jess was like, mm, great. Well, anyway, we go. And, uh, you know, we get out, we go in. And then the lady's like, oh, yeah, so um, today we've actually got something special. I was like, okay, cool. She's like, what you can actually do today is uh, we've got a tour going on. We've got two times and there's a tour going on. And what can happen is you could be treated like an 18th century prisoner and we will uh, take you through the tour. It's a theatrical tour. We'll take you through the tour and you can go through processing and everything, what it was like to be an 18th century prisoner. And then we put you in a cell for a minute and close the door. Then we'll open the door. But it goes for about an hour and you'll go through the processing like an 18th century prisoner. Without looking at Jess, I said, you had me at something special going on. Let's go. I've always wanted to be an 18th century prisoner. It's like a dream of mine. Anyway, Jess was like, are you really? I was like, just take our money. Listen, whatever it costs, I'm on this tour. And so, you know, we're there. We line up with everybody else and Jess is there and we're talking and, and whatever, you know, trying to be romantic, you know. Did you just fart because you're blowing me away? Stuff like that. Um, then comes out the doors, right? This woman who's dressed in full guard uniform and she comes out and she just starts going off. She's like, right, separate, stop talking. She's pushing people and she's going off. She's basically the spawn of Satan. And I was a little bit scared and Jess was a little bit scared. And she's like, boys on the left, girls on the right, get in here now. And she's going off. All of a sudden, Jess goes, I need to go to the toilet. But because of my personality, right, I'm already instantly engulfed in the atmosphere and I'm no longer Mason Hudson from Canberra at the time, but I'm prisoner 107 and I robbed a stagecoach and now I'm here. I'm part of Ned Kelly's gang. And so I'm like, oh no, I've done it. What's my mum going to think? I'm in prison and I'm walking. So, but then Jess starts tugging on my arm. I'm like, get off. You're going to get me in trouble. She's tugging on my arm. She's like, no, no, I really need to go to the toilet. I was like, what do you want me to do? We're in prison. I can't help you. She's like, no, no, no. Can we please go? Can we please go? I'm like, we're in prison. You're going to have to wet yourself or something. I can't go. Now I was holding her phone because that's something that girls do. Why do we always have to hold your stuff? I don't get it. Jess gives me her phone. I was like, she's giving me your phone. I'm like, oh, we don't have phones. We're in prison. I'm like, you're going to have to talk to the, to the she devil over there. Don't talk to me. And so we keep going. Jess is like, no, no, let's go, let's go, because I, I really need to go to the toilet. I'm like, I'm in prison. Stop talking to me. You're going to get me in trouble. And so I'm like over here, and then I walk past the guard. The guard's like, don't look at me. I'm like, yes, sir. I mean, madam. I walk up, and, and she's like, get against the wall. I'm like, against the wall. Then all of a sudden, this, this lady just, that just has this shrill at the top of her voice, and she's just like, get back in the line. And then I have a look and there's my Jess sweetly, politely asking lady, would it be okay if I please went to the toilet? And the lady's like, you're in prison. I'm like, I told her she was in prison. It's like, get back on the other side. And so Jess and I'm like, please don't look at me. Please don't come near me. Because Jess is like, just, you know, she's ticked this lady off now. And then Jess comes and stands right in front of me on the opposite side of the wall. I'm trying not to look at her so she doesn't get me in trouble. And she's like, pss, pss. I'm like, stop talking to me. I was like, give me my phone now. I need to go to the toilet. I was like, we're in prison. Stop it. And we're like having this argument across the thing. And then I look across at her and for some reason, I just felt incredible compassion for her. I don't know what it was. Just the tears welling up in her eyes. 
That was a bit dramatic, but she, I look at her and she's just like, oh, yeah, this is really, she's like, I really need to go. You don't understand. You really need to go. And I felt compassion on her for some reason. So the lady walked past and as she walked past, she's like, follow me, everyone now. Stay in line. And so everyone turns to start walking. I go to turn to start walking, but then I look at Jess and I just go, oh, well, what have I got to lose? And I yell, prison break, and grabbed her and ran for the door. One guy just looked at us and goes, good luck, and then kept walking. I run her to the door. We get to this big green door. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't do anything. Almost broke my kneecap. I'm shaking the door. And then all of a sudden it dawns on me. We're in prison. And this place has been very successful in keeping prisoners locked up and inside for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And then, so then I start to panic because I'm like, what have we done? I look to rejoin the group and hope nobody noticed, but the group is gone. And so I'm like, we're going to have to break out. So then my feet start going, Jess's feet are going because she needs to go to the toilet. She's like, I need to go to the toilet. I'm like, I know you told me that. We need to get out this door. We're shaking the door. I'm like, let's try another door. I run over to the other door, open it. Jess runs through. As I open it, I snapped the handle off the door. Jess ran in and so I was down like this trying to fix the handle in the door but then Jess saw the guard on the other side. She runs back through. She hits the, the door into my face. So now I'm crying because she's hit the door. Jess is like, we need to get out of here. I'm like, stop, you hurt my nose and we broke the prison door. Then all of a sudden we hear, what are you two doing? And at that moment, I was about to give up, put my hands on the back of my head and say, take her, it was all her, it wasn't me. Please take her, please take her, it wasn't me. Don't hurt me, take her to the gallows, hang her, I don't care. <laughs> so we're there. Then this guy yells out, Captain! And then the captain who Jess had already built a great rapport with comes around the corner and she starts going off. You prisoners, you blah, 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 blah. she's going off. And in that moment, something dawned on me where we actually weren't prisoners. <laughs> We're freaking out like we can't, like, but we actually weren't prisoners. I was a good boy. I was a youth pastor. I was helping young kids in Canberra. I was a good boy. I didn't rob a stagecoach. I wasn't part of Ned Kelly's gang. I don't care about Ned Kelly. I just realized, oh, hang on, I'm not a prisoner. So she's yelling and I just snap out of it for a second and just go, well, hold on. No, no, we have to leave. Open the door so we can leave. And she's like, no, you can't leave. You're prisoners, you're prisoners. And I was like, just hold it right there. We are not prisoners. She needs to go to the toilet and you will let us leave. She's like, no. I said, listen, you will let us leave and me and my woman are going to walk out of those front doors. So open the door right now. And she goes, oh, and she's angry and she's yelling at us the whole time. She's unlocking all these doors and she unlocks all these doors and she lets us out into freedom. And we walk out into freedom and she goes, there's another session at 2.30 if you want to come. And closes the door. No, we're not coming. 
keys could come back up. I'm almost done. But I tell you that story simply to illustrate this point to you is that I think that there is too many Christians who sit in a prison cell because of their sin, shortcomings and mistakes, because of their failures, and they're held there by guilt and shame. But can I tell you something to snap you out of it for a second? The door of that prison cell is already opened because Christ 2,000 years ago opened the prison door and your Saviour stands on the other side and He beckons you, He calls you this morning, that His grace is sufficient for you, that you are free this morning. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so He is beckoning you and calling you and saying, I know you've made mistakes. I know you've got sin. I know you've got shortcomings, but do not let your guilt and your shame and the enemy keep you in the prison cell of your mind anymore, saying that God is done with you, cannot use you. You've stuffed up. You're too messed up. You're too broken. It's not true. For He stands there and calls you this morning into your freedom that He paid for. How? How do I get out? How do I get out of this prison cell I am in my mind thinking that I'm not good enough. I can never be used by God. He can't do something great in my life. How do I get out of this prison cell? You do as Jesus, as Peter did. But Peter... You can imagine here, Peter loved Jesus. You can imagine how he felt. We all can because we've all stuffed up, we've all done things wrong, we've all felt guilt and shame. You can imagine how he felt at the lowest of low. Will I ever get to see him again? Will I ever get to make this right? Then Mary comes one day and says, I went to the tomb of Jesus, he's not there. An angel told me and said that he's risen and he told me to tell you specifically, Peter, that he is risen. Peter has a choice to make. Does he stay in his guilt and his shame and run away from Jesus, which is the temptation to give up? Or does he run towards Jesus? The Bible says that Peter ran to the empty tomb. Looks in. Jesus isn't there. How do you break through? You run to Jesus whenever you can. You run to Jesus. You stop letting shame and guilt stop you and you run to Jesus. You run to a Saviour who forgives. You run to a Father who provides. You run to a friend who walks with you and you run to the Lord who is calling you. You run to Jesus. You run to Jesus. How do I get out? You run to Jesus. The temptation is to stay in the prison cell of guilt and shame. Not any longer. I'm here to say now is not the time to stay in the prison cell, but now is the time to step out into the freedom that God is calling you to step into. God can use you. If He can use Peter, He can use you. What's your response to run to Jesus and put your trust back in Him? Or do you not know? Have you not heard? 
The Lord your God is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow weak or weary or tired. He's understanding no one can fathom. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Run to Jesus. Put your trust in Him. But I'm tired, run to Jesus. But I'm beat down, run to Jesus. But I've failed, run to Jesus. But I've made mistakes, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Peter doesn't find Jesus in the tomb, so he goes and later on it says that he's fishing. And as he's fishing, someone walks along the shore and tells them to cast the net on the other side and they pull up this great haul of fish and they realise just in a moment that it's Jesus. Peter doesn't stay in the boat. What does Peter do? The Bible says that Peter jumped into the water and swam as fast as he could back to Jesus. As fast as he could back to Jesus. And you know what? He wasn't met with a, come on, mate. You should have done better. You could have done better. Why didn't you do better? He wasn't met how I used to see Peter, like, come on, Peter, you saw Jesus do all this. He wasn't met like that. He was met with a hot meal. And then Jesus says this, and we want to put the last scripture up. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told them. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Next slide. Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You, next slide, know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. What's Jesus doing? Restoring what was lost. You see, you serve the God who restores you serve the God of a second chance. You serve the God that says, listen, I know you've got failures. I know you've got mistakes. I know you've got shortcomings. But I'm here to tell you that none of those things disqualify you because of what I have done on the cross. You see, Jesus is not the answer to your mistake. He's not the answer to your sin. He's not the answer to your shortcomings. In fact, He is the whole equation because everything is about Him. And so we can play games. We can play church games and pretend like some people are more blessed and honoured and some people are better than other people because they sin less and do more and they look like they've got it all together. Or we can just all come to the honest conclusion this morning that it is Christ and Christ alone. It's Him and Him alone. This thing is not about a man who stands on a stage all the lights, all the this, all the that. This thing is not about this. This thing is about Him. It's always about Him. You should leave this place not thinking about yourself, but you should leave this place thinking about Him. 
with your eyes turned towards Him, with the hope of that filled Peter in that moment, that if God is on my side, then who can be against me? So as the band comes back up, my question to you is what will your response be? You can't shake yourself free of sin. You know that? You can't earn your way past your shortcomings. You can't. And you will never be good enough to not make a mistake again. You won't. But the hope that we find through Peter's story is that you don't have to be because he is good enough for you. For he is not just the answer, church. He is the whole equation. Is he the answer to your sin? Yes, but he's also the whole equation to your sin. Why? Because the Bible says that he became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God. Your righteousness, your right standing before God has nothing to do with you. Can I say it louder for the people in the back? Your righteousness has nothing to do with you. Your right standing before God has nothing to do with you and it's all to do with Him. For His righteousness is credited to you. So church, can I say something? Don't give up, get up. Don't give up, get up. Well, I'm too young. Well, I'm too old. Well, I'm too past it. Well, I failed too much. This has happened to me. That has happened to me. All of these things, all of these excuses that we can make, or we could simply be here this morning and say, Jesus, I'm going to run back to you. I'm going to run back to you. And guess what? When you do, you're not met with the Jesus who stands back and goes, I knew you'd be back one day. You're met with the Jesus who opens his arms and said, I hoped and I called for you to come back. I said it the other week when I, when I spoke. You're here this morning not to seek God. You're here this morning because He's been seeking you and He's been continually calling you. And there's some people in a prison cell. Can I tell you something? Jesus is calling you. I love you. Come out. I love you. Come out. Well, I've made too much mistakes, too much problems. I love you. Come out. He calls you. And He calls you and He won't stop calling you and He's going to keep calling you. When I put my daughter to bed every night, I call to her. I say, Summer, I love you. And if she doesn't reply, I call again. Summer, I love you. And if she doesn't reply, I call again. I love you. I love you. I love you. Until she responds, I love you too, Dad. And then I make sure she knows. I said, I love you more. She says, I love you more. I say, I love you the mostest. She says, I love you the mostest. I said, I love you forever and a day. She says, I love you, Dad. Why? Because when I held her in the hospital for the first time, my only prayer was, Lord, in all my failures as an earthly father, let me do my best just to represent her heavenly father's heart for her, which is to call her continually, no matter what's going on, whether she's been good or bad or ugly or the other, no matter what's happened in her life, her heavenly father's heart is to call her. I love her. I love you. I love you and wait for her to respond. So my desire is to represent to her the Heavenly Father's heart, which is to call her. So one day I can say to her, do you know how dad calls you? 
Let me tell you about a heavenly father who calls you as well. And that's you. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. Listen, I don't know the normal processes of the church yet, so I'll just break all the rules. The band's going to sing a song. They're going to sing a worship song. The reason why is because I want you to have a moment right now where you run back to Jesus if you know you need to, because often what happens is that we can hear a word like this and go, yep, that's me. I need to run back to Jesus. And thank you, Jesus. Awesome. As soon as we walk out those doors and have thing, it goes to the back of your mind. You spend the whole week and before you know it, it's Sunday again and you haven't done anything. So at the start of our weeks, could we just spend two minutes if you need to, to just say, Jesus, I surrender my life again. Jesus, I'm running back to you again. Jesus, I've been stuck in guilt and shame. Jesus, I'm coming back to you again. I need you. If you don't believe that God can use you, I believe this. If there's breath in your body, then God has a plan for you today. He can use you. You're not too far gone. You haven't made too many mistakes. He can use you. He can use you. Now is not the time in the world for us to sit back. Now is the time for Christians to rise. Now is the time for Christian businessmen to rise, for Christian teachers to rise, for Christian tradies to rise. Now is the time for Christian retirees to rise. Now is the time for Christian students to rise. Now is the time for us as a community, as a house, as a church to rise. To not be put back into our guilt and shame, but to say, God, if you will use me, let me be your hands and feet on this earth. Now is the time to rise. So can we all stand in this place just for a moment? Right now, what I want to do is everyone with their eyes closed and their head bowed just for a moment. If you know that you need to run back to Jesus for whatever reason, and there is multiple reasons this morning, even just you feel a stirring in your heart to come back to Jesus, to fall in love with Him deeper again. Would you just lift your hands out in front of you? Nobody's looking. I'm going to pray and then the band's going to sing. And then I want you to come back to Jesus, run back to Him, talk to Him, worship Him this morning, just for a moment. Come on, would you lift your hands out in front of you? That's you this morning. I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you so much for every single person who has their hands raised towards you or every single person who has their heart open to you. Lord God, I come against guilt and condemnation. Lord God, I thank you that your word says that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Lord God, I thank you that for freedom's sake, you have set people free. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would move from the left to the right, to the front, to the back, that you would encounter people right now, right where they are. Lord God, that you would come upon people. They would receive your power right now to be a witness in this world, your power right now to be used by you. Jesus, I just pray right now that guilt and shame would be broken off people's life. Lord, that they would lean in and step into the grace that is sufficient for them. Jesus, would you encounter your people? Would you encounter your people today? Would you encounter your people today? For those who need forgiveness, Lord God, I pray that you would pour out your forgiveness. For those who need joy, I pray that you would pour out your joy. For those who need peace, I pray that you would pour out your peace. I get a sense here that somebody's broken heart. Run to Jesus. The Bible says that He's close to the broken heart. I get a sense that there's somewhere in here today, you used to be involved in church. 
but your heart has gone hard. Can I tell you this morning, you might have given up. This is God saying, don't give up, son. Don't give up, daughter. Get up. Dust yourself off. I know you've made mistakes. Better to be a Peter whose love failed shamefully but rose again than a Judas whose heart went cold and gave up. Get a sense, somebody's here, you've been involved in church a long time and you've given up. Then don't come back to church, come back to Jesus. Run back to Jesus. You're all sufficient Saviour. You're ever-present help in times of need. We love you, Jesus. Come on, Ben, why don't we just begin to sing? Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.